Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. Matthew Finland is an international speaker, coach, and the founder of 100 Days of Discipline in the Human Potential Academy. And that's what this podcast is all about. Matthew and I discuss some of the tips, tools, practices, strategies that he has disseminated through his 10 plus years in speaking, in coaching, in business entrepreneurship space and how we can decrease our everyday stress, increase our productivity, and thusly through that being able to have more times for the things that we love so we can both enjoy our lives and also strive towards our highest potential. So if that sounds like something you were geeked out about, me too. And this podcast is going to be a really delicious entry into that conversation. I hope you enjoy. Can't wait for you to hear it all. Matthew, welcome to the conversation, brother. As I mentioned before, we started. I had one question I wanted to prompt you with, and this is where we're going to start today's conversation, which is, what is your medicine? My medicine, whether it's the medicine that I provide or the medicine that I like to take, it's somewhere where knowledge and experience connect, you know, cause it's, it's like, I love to learn. I'm, you know, anyone that, that knows me knows I'm like just obsessed with learning. Mm-hmm. Like in my downtime, I'm like watching things and learning. That's my chill time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, it doesn't really matter if we don't put it into actual experience. And sometimes we learn things and we never actually use them. But the greatest thing we do is provide the knowledge to somebody that goes on and actually uses it. And so my medicine is somewhere in, in between those two things, you know, whether, whether the knowledge comes from, from experience, which some of the best does, um, uh, different types of medicine, different types of conversation, that would be the medicine that I provide and that I love, love, love to take. Mm. Mm. I'm taking a couple of doses of that each morning with you. I'm going to double down on that. And I'm actually curious about one thing you said right there, which uh, I, I may have misconstrued it, but is there Hmm. something in in your, the way you view the world, do you think that knowledge for the sake of knowledge is something that is actually helpful or is knowledge truly become helpful once it is applied? So like, for example, a personal opinion of mine is, um, you know, when people say the saying, if you know better, you do better. My opinion, that's not true. Just because you know, just because I know eating healthy is better for me doesn't mean I'm actually eating healthy. Where the rubber really meets the road Mm. is in my learning, okay, these are the types of food. Let me go and do that. But maybe you have a different perspective. Do you find that to be true? Do you find that to be not true? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually just thinking about this is either earlier today or, or yesterday. Because mm-hmm. when I first heard that years ago, I was like, yeah, like knowledge that isn't personally applied isn't is use, useless or whatever. But, um, you know, I've, my view has changed on that slightly only because of, of what I like had just said, which is you said the key word in there is personally applied, right? Because... I can learn something and it not be useful to my life, but then teach that to somebody who doesn't know it and it be incredibly useful to their life. And sometimes you learn things that you don't need to apply. Like it doesn't even apply to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that's useless information um, or even a bad thing, especially when we can pass that on to somebody else that, right. that it can apply to which maybe in the grand scheme of things we could even argue would be then personally applying it because you're mm-hmm. giving the gift of that knowledge to somebody else. But um, that, that's my view on that. Yeah. And I, yeah, like I said, I just had thought about that, um, thought about that recently. And, uh, and the other thing you mentioned there, um, which is really interesting um, because one thing that I talk about all the time is something that's called cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. which uh, I believe like we're, we're pretty much in like an epidemic of right now where people essentially they know better and then Mm -hmm. they're not applying it. And Mm -hmm. then what happens is their like higher self or themselves, whatever they know that if they eat crap food, they're going to feel like crap and they don't want to eat crap food and feel like crap, but they keep doing it. And then that Mm -hmm. creates something called cognitive dissonance, which is where your mind is holding two contradictory beliefs and that can cause a whole bunch. It does cause a whole bunch of mayhem in people's everyday, everyday lives. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the red pill, you know, knowledge, like in, in the matrix where it's like, once you learn this, you, you can't unlearn it. You will blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, you can ignorance is, you know, staying, staying ignorant to, to some things. I think it just comes down to being courageous and learning and then like taking it upon yourself to um, actually apply the things that you learn that you know are beneficial for your existence. Okay. So uh, kind of bringing that into this new formulation. So initially when I'm, I'm mentioning the piece about, you know, knowledge is not power, it's only potential power, but your point being, Actually, if I learn something and I don't apply it, but I share it with somebody else and it impacts them positively, then that becomes power. However, that doesn't necessarily mean just because I learn it, I need to apply it and becomes power in my own life. That's like one side of the coin, it sounds like. However, it sounds like there's also, it doesn't sound like it's black and white because there's also something called, but if I do learn something and it was intended to support me and I don't apply it, then it is actually working disadvantageously. And one would go so far as to say cognitive dissonance. I have these two opposing ideas, the version of me that knows what I, I don't like to use this word very often, but what I should do, at least in the context of my greater goals, ambitions, and intentions. And then there's a version of me that's not applying that, which if we don't have, I imagine, an incredible amount of compassion and intention and awareness, that's what leads to the spirals of shame and guilt and make wrong and can almost perpetuate more of that behavior because now we're, we've almost fallen perhaps maybe to a victim consciousness. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's like pretty much, pretty much bang on. Um, and it's interesting because you said the word, you said the word shame in there. And this is something I've been really thinking about recently, right? Where, you know, especially in the spiritual community, like 
it's a little bit like on the um, in general right now. I would say like uh, I, something I call toxic positivity, which mm-hmm. is where like if you make a mistake and you do something wrong, and then you have a moment of like let's say regret or shame, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like sitting in it, you know, there's one thing to say, um, like I like if you made a if you make a mistake and you hurt somebody and you don't feel bad about it, like that's like one of the probably like top bullet points of like a psychopath or a narcissist. And so I think it's when people really stew in the shame, you know, when it's it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like, oh, I made a mistake and I feel bad and I I I never wish to feel this bad again. And so then that is like the motivating factor. Then I think there's actually, you know, there's like there's a serious silver lining to the to the ways that we feel when we go mm-hmm. when we do, do these things, right? But that's yeah. when that's just the the reality is when it becomes a pattern or something drawn out over time where it's like you know you should, you know you need to Again, the simple the simple answer is like eat healthy food instead of bad food to feel better. And then you don't do it one day and then you feel bad inside your body and you're like, oh man, like I kind of feel a little stupid and I'm a little ashamed. Then you do it again the next day, you feel a little bit more ashamed and a little worse. And you're like, okay, actually I need to get my act together here. I would yeah. say that's actually quite 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 a positive, a positive and natural progression through things but it's when it goes like day three four five six seven eight nine ten and then your body and brain start going like you're you're literally killing us out here right now like what are you doing and and the thing that happens with cognitive dissonance is like the the more it happens the less um confident like li- the worse the worse we are at actually making decisions like literally mm-hmm. we're the worst we're at making decisions and why is that it's because you're, you're telling yourself, okay, self, I don't want to feel bad. And so I'm going to eat good food tomorrow. And then you go and you eat bad food and you feel bad. You do that a whole bunch of times. You're like, okay, look, I'm going to study and I'm going to pass that test. And you don't study and you don't pass the test. All these things start surfacing in your life. Uh, uh, here's a classic one. I, I want to be in a loving relationship, but then they're staying in a toxic one, right? Right. All these things start piling up. I'll start, I'm going to go to bed at 10. You go to bed at 11. These things start piling up. And then eventually you actually really want something. And you go, I want that. And your brain goes, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure you want that? Because every time you say you want something, you're not go doing the things to go and get it. And so mm-hmm. it's like really quite important that we bring awareness to these things and, and stop lying to ourselves is like the, mm-hmm. the biggest reality. Like the biggest thing to, to overdo cognitive dissonance is just to stop stop lying to ourselves um and yeah and take the action right because I, I imagine there's probably something that happens if there is if there's two two i'm totally you know flubbing this on the spot but if there's like two aspects of my consciousness in my head one of them is the well-intentioned one and there's the the version that's like not really sure if the well-intentioned higher self if you will let's just say capital s self has that intention but then the lowercase s self the human is in the driver's seat and the lowercase self lowercase s self consistently isn't following through on what the capital s self is encouraging it likely leads to a felt sense of breaking in trust we can't trust our own word because our words 
or rather our actions are not aligned with our words. We keep saying, I'm going to go to the gym X number of times. I'm going to have that difficult conversation with my partner where I admit that I've been lying about this thing or insert whatever the thing is. When we don't do that, we break trust with ourselves. And then the long-term impact of that is, like you said, there's that voice. It's like, are you sure? It's like, well, no, I'm not sure because I haven't proven to myself that my word is good for anything, which likely, as the saying goes, how you do one thing is how you do all things, which if we look out, mm. it's possible. We're also not doing that elsewhere, whether it's in our work, in our business, other places. Usually these types of incidences are not isolated. What would you say then if we are struggling with this, I am somebody who wants to say what I do and do what I say versus just say what I do and never do what I say. How do we start to make that transition? Um, great. Yeah. I would say the first thing to do, step one, is mm -hmm. to become aware of something called backwards rationalization. And it's mm -hmm. this beautiful thing that our, our ego part of our brain um, does. And essentially what it does is it, and it is like the, it is, if we were to sum it up, it would be like, it's not actually my fault mm -hmm. or, or I didn't actually want that thing backwards rationalization. Right. So here's an example, right? You apply to, to Harvard and you apply to community college, right? You get the, 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 the letter back from Harvard to like, you didn't get accepted and mm -hmm. you immediately go, I didn't want to go to Harvard anyways. And it's like, that's like a classic example of backwards rationalization or like, let's say, you know, picture, picture a guy who's in his say like late twenties, um, say like living at home with his parents and not paying rent and not working. And his mom's like, if you don't get a job, we're going to kick you out. And so he goes and he, he's got this interview downtown. He's got to get on the bus, get there for 1230, 15 minute bus ride. He goes to catch the bus at 1210 yeah. and it's not there. Right. So the bus comes at 1220. He shows up late to the interview, doesn't get the job, comes home, says, Mom, it's not my fault. The bus was late. Very dangerous because in reality, he could have taken the bus at 1145 and been there extra, extra early. But you can see how we're, our brains are consistently in a protective state, whether it's it's saying like, um, no big deal. I earned that crappy food. Um right? Backwards rationalization. In the morning you wake up, you're like, I'm going to, or in the, let's say the beginning of the week, Monday, I'm going to live this week properly. I'm going to wake up at 6am every day. I'm going to do cold showers. I'm going to eat properly. I'm going to go to bed before 10, no cell phones. You do good Monday, you do good Tuesday, you do good Wednesday. Thursday was a busy day. And Friday you, you drop the ball because you've had a big week. You sleep in, you don't do your cold shower because you're not feeling it. You stay on your phone a little bit later and you tell yourself, that's okay. I totally earned it because of how well I did this week. It's just backwards mm -hmm. rationalization. And so um, definitely encourage you and all the viewers to, to look into backwards rationalization. It's a, uh, uh, it's a really like, I, you know, I just like to look at these things. It's just a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal thing that actually goes on biologically, our, our protective mechanism. So the first thing is become aware of the backwards rationalization and catch yourself in the act. Catch, mm -hmm. Call yourself when you're bullshit. It's the only way to say it. Like, catch yourself. Um, what really does also help is locking in routines. And so the first thing that you want to do, and this is a pretty hard pill to swallow, but it's the pill to swallow, is it takes a minimum of 90 days. It's actually a minimum of 90 to 140 days 
to consciously reprogram your subconscious mind. It's closer to 200 days, but that's a little bit discouraging, but to consciously reprogram your subconscious mind. What does that mean? It means to completely destruct and reconstruct habits. Um, you know, people float around 15 days, 40 days. It's way longer than that. And um, this is the ego because the ego likes to stay the safe and the same. And so the mm -hmm. ego is not necessarily a bad thing. You can program your ego to make your autopilot habits desirable. And so what does this mean? Um, it means that like one of the most powerful words, if not the most powerful word, is the word no. The word no. I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll be like, um, I'm going to uh, halfway through my day, maybe it's a little bit later, 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a coffee because I'm feeling tired. The answer is no. Caffeine has a 12 hour half life. So like I have this, I have this joke that I, I tell um, my clients that I work with where you say, you say not today, Satan, not today, Satan. And that's like anytime like you're, you're getting, you're getting angry or, or anytime your vices are showing up, you just say no. And that's, that's really, it's, it's funny. Cause I, 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 um, I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast and it was so simple and absolutely hilarious what he said. And it changed my life. And he was pretty much like, and it was probably isn't going to be verbatim, but he was pretty much like, he's like, I don't understand people. And he said this, he said, just say no. Like, just say no. When you're going to eat that 12 donuts, just say no, just, just don't do it. And it's like, he said that. And it was like, somehow prolific, prolific information for me. And I, it's, it's definitely this, the second thing that I would say. Um, and the third thing would be uh, time management and time blocking. Um, I can't stress the importance of that. Um, as time is going on, it's becoming more and more obvious and talked about how critical time blocking is. Elon Musk, I think, has his day in five-minute increments. I'm not there yet. The slow, lowest one I'll do is 15. But it's so important for, uh, for this restructuring and especially for maintaining these low beta, mid beta, and, and hopefully alpha beta brainwave states. Because when you're in high beta, it's just protective, crazy chaos. And mm -hmm. so those would be the three, the three big pieces of advice. It would be become aware of backwards rationalization. It would be say no to the, just say no to the silly things that you keep doing that you know you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And, and then uh, form yourself a structure that you can, you don't need to think, you just wake up, you look at your next thing to do and you go and you do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. Those are really, uh, by the way, I appreciate you focusing on the practical tools and how we can walk ourselves from one, how do I start to develop a sense of trust with myself where my word actually means something to me? Like when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through with it. Backwards, ugh, words, backwards rationalization, saying no and using time management, time blocking. Uh, backwards rationalization is something that uh, actually hearing the word to it. Um, haven't heard the word before, but it makes sense, right? I can give myself, if you will, a backdoor. If I don't follow through and I almost subconsciously self-sabotage, then, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. There is, I think a couple of things I want to, I want to poke at, and I don't mean to seem like I'm challenging, but I do want to challenge in a way. And this I is just because I've heard contrary yeah. information. So there's a couple of oh, things. Cool. The first is when it comes to habit development, I have heard the range. I have heard from a few days all the way to multiple hundreds of days. And there are also instances where somebody has a life changing instance that it changes the habit for the rest of their life. 
So there mm-hmm. is actual data that shows that it can happen quicker. And I have mostly heard that the number of days usually depends on the habit that you're either creating or changing into the, and not, it's like the consistency, but also the intensity with which it's being done. So when it comes to totally. changing habits, it, I, I've, I've seen as less black and white as hundred or 200 days, but there have been instances where people change that. What, where would you say that that comes into play? Yeah, awesome. Um, and it's it's great. I'm actually really, really glad that you said that um, because uh, there's there's two like I- instances that come to my, to mind, right? Mm-hmm. And the first one is like, let's say like you're uh, smoking cigarettes, and then your both of your parents die from smoking cigarettes, right? In a week, something right. like that would probably wake somebody up. So. Um, of course, there's instances where people get like a huge, huge wake up call. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wouldn't be what I would call consciously reprogramming your subconscious mind because you're okay. not consciously doing it. it it's like a, a almost like a traumatic um, event. And there can be equal levels of uh, energy as that would be a negative event that would cause that immediately, but also right. like a positive event that could cause something like that immediately. I would right. say that it's probably rare to be honest. I, um, y- you know, we've heard instances of this happening. Nothing is an absolute truth. Um, okay. so, um, that would be what I would say to that. And then the other one is theta brainwave. So theta brainwave is the best place to consciously reprogram your subconscious or to, to reprogram your subconscious mind. And right. we enter theta brainwave in deep states of meditation, um, on the way to sleep. Um, sometimes people just like plummet from beta alpha theta delta cause they're not in these states and they really need the rest. Um, mm-hmm. but this is where you hear about immediate transformation and this is what they end up doing with hypnotherapy this is like, I don't know if you do breath work or not, but sometimes you're like in yeah. breath work and you're like in, you're like, you're like, oh wow, this is like so prolific and almost psychedelic. And then you kind of like wake up and you're kind of like, whoa, I passed out and something like that. And so you're dabbling with these alpha, theta, delta brainwaves. And right. in theta, you can re- reprogram something that would take 20 years of talk therapy to do in a second. And so, um, so there's, there's of course the, uh, special instances to that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be that would be my response for that. Yeah. Okay. So then I think I'm getting a little bit of an understanding of of that come from. By the way, if you look around, I'm taking notes because it's helpful for me to kind of re- remember and reflect. Um, so totally get it about the brainwave state, and it sounds like more what we're pointing a finger at is it's not like 100 and 200 days flat. That is the answer. It's more so like if you're trying to do it with your conscious awareness, which if we pay attention to people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, he'll tell you 95% of all behavior is subconscious, meaning the rest of that 5% is actually conscious. So if we, the 5% conscious yep. aspect is trying to change the 95% subconscious, then it's going to take a much larger period of time than if we said, actually, I'm going to meditate in this particular way or do this breath work in this particular way or undergo some kind of experience, maybe even psychedelics that alter our brain waves such that accessing that deeper, the deeper, uh, like alpha, um, theta, like that, that range where we can, uh, increase what I've heard, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza say is suggestibility, right? The ability to suggest changes into the subconscious that reverberate out into what we might say are our actions and thusly the consistent actions being our habits. So does that, 
then stick more to like, if we're the 5% trying to change the 95, that that's the hundred to 200 days that really that duration starts to show up. Totally. And like, I've, I've been like all last year, I adopted the and model instead of right. the or model, because right. if we look at all of the things that we need to reprogram and work on as individuals, it's like, they're not all going to happen with psychedelics. They're not all going to happen with breath work. They're not all the, and it's exactly, it's the life's mission. And so it, it's just the and model where it's like, I, so I own this other company called a hundred days of discipline. And mm-hmm. it was like really what unlocked me. It's a uh, hundred days of body weight exercise, right? Um, easy, medium, rough, anyone can do it. And I did that. And it just unlocked it unlocked my other pillars it unlocked emotional pillar it unlocked financial pillar um unlocked spiritual pillar and it was the act of that daily discipline that that really really like made these significant changes and so i don't want to go too far off what you were just saying there but like um it's funny because like i have i haven't heard and i still haven't heard very much joe dispenza and i really 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 need to it sounds like because when i'm talking to people they're like oh yeah joe dispenza like brainwaves and i'm like i have actually heard very very little so many of my friends who i really respect are all about it but yeah so i'm gonna go down the rabbit hole i'm gonna start today actually um and uh, 100 days of discipline Yeah. And so, so it's one of those things, it's just the and model, you know, it's like, yes, we can, we can, we can end up like with say like a psychedelic experience or with breath work, we can like undo those traumas that are like at the very root immediately that are probably causing a lot of these, um, undesirable behaviors. Um, but I, I think it's kind of like, uh, it's also part of like a lot of what's going on in the like spiritual community right now. I call it retreat escapism where or, or or psychedelic escapism where you know they go to retreat and they have this transformational experience like oh my god i'm a changed person they come back home same environment same habits and they're just the same person again so it's, right. yeah it's the and model a 100 that that's like a definition of getting knowledge and then not applying it and it causing a lot of damage is you go and you you do un, unravel the traumas but then you don't actually apply them when you get back into your real life you think you people think People think that it's an immediate change when, when acquiring that immediate, you know, theta wave life changing subconscious uh, moment is like a, you know, we would desire and we would hope to have that, but we certainly wouldn't bank on that happening. Right. Imagine if we were, which I don't got this data, but if we were to draw statistics on the likelihood of those breakthrough moments leading to a lasting change consistently over an extended period of time that that number would probably be significantly lower than if you were to run that statistic right at the beginning when say a hundred people come, I have life changing experience. You do that data six months, a year, and the number of people that actually had that go and apply becomes very different because I'm somebody who has used, I say use, I've intentionally used psychedelics with the intention of healing and with growth. And it has massively transformed my life. And as I pointed in a recent podcast that I did, where I talked about my first experience with DMT, one of the things that I said and was very pointed on is that these experiences alone are typically not not enough to create lasting transformation. Because one Mm -hmm. of the lessons that came through for me is that I have been withholding 
my full fuck yes authentic expression, the full weird, the full goofy, and only giving bits and pieces of it when sometimes it's comfortable and, and easiest to do. But the real work came for me in recognizing when I want to close my heart or I want to close my being when I'm about to fully express when like my consciousness is like, are you really going to go and, and let out that roar or let out that goofy laugh or try and say that silly joke that just might not land that nobody's going to get besides you? Rick and Morty references. That's me all the time. <laughs> nice. it's, it, it's a practice I'm still taking on. That happened months ago. And I'm still working on integrating that which to me has been a big oh, thing yeah. here. It's about integration, right? Something like that can alter your brainwave state. It can give you an insight. But as one of my mentors said to me, the difference between an insight and a breakthrough, that gap is bridged through action. And if I'm understanding what you're saying, nice. it's that consistent action, 100 days, 150 days, 200 days of that consistent discipline such that the conscious made an impact in the subconscious so we can actually see our lives transform versus using this retreat escapism as a means to have almost just like this false sense of I have done something. It's like, well, you, you took a substance, it, it altered you. You had this maybe connection with, with the consciousness of God, if you will, or spirit universe, however one, anyone relates to it. But you got to bring air quote, the heavens to the earth. And that seems like the earth is that discipline. Does that resonate? Yeah, I love it. I, lo I love how you I love that insight breakthrough action. That's that is absolutely gold. And, and so the thing about medicine, um, man, medicine was a pivotal, pivotal part of my journey, like mm -hmm. un un unbelievably pivotal part. Um, and uh, it, that that would be like definitely because, you know, there's there's different uh, people have different types of experiences. Mm -hmm. on these of, of course right it's 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 uh as much as they're similar they can be tailored to different uh individuals and especially if you've like traversed the world and you um you can kind of like look a little bit deeper than just kind of being like a deer in the headlights right um but the experiences that people have on uh on these psychedelics uh on the medicine is no doubt probably like the definition of like if you acquire some knowledge while you're there and then you don't apply that knowledge, like, you know, deep, deep into your heart space that if you're not applying that knowledge, you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. And so it's like and, and the integration, the integration is critical. So with, with uh, human potential Academy, we host these events and they're really transformative. You mentioned Brian. Um, I think he was, he's been on here already. And mm -hmm. he is an absolute wizard. Like he will draw people down into theta like quick, his voice, his technique, his energy. It's just the perfect combination inside an individual. And we host these events and we have a week intention setting. Uh, we get people on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, financial, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual pillar intention setting. Then we have our intensive in person. Mm -hmm. And then we have an integration week where our different coaches who specialize in the different pillars show up and we'll five days, financial pillar integration, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. And, and we're serious about that because this is what's happening, right? People are going to these retreats. The, the facilitators are blowing people to pieces and they're not putting them back together. They're just blowing mm -hmm. people apart and hoping that they figure it out. And so it's like, it's, it's just, 
it's just so important. Like, mm. and, and if and not knowing, not knowing these different things, not knowing about cognitive dissonance, not knowing about brain waves, not knowing about these different things, it makes integration like, uh, like you're almost guessing if you don't mm. have these types of tools at your disposal about what's actually going on inside your body. And so I, I just, you know, I really wanted to bring a point to that because I, I love how you, how you said that. Cause you know, we say that like, integration is more important than the experience which seems kind of funny but it's like it really is it's like because without the experience the integration wouldn't even exist but it's it's more important than the experience i'm i'm completely convinced hmm. i i have no way for me to falsify that statement whether it is yes or no and part of my brain goes to the well how could you integrate something you haven't experienced but what i what i can definitely exactly. agree with on is the fact that <laughs> integration is so fucking important and this is something i'm taking to heart like you were saying it and you said the blowing to pieces like that's a beautiful image right like there's like air quote the the whole version of myself and i come and i have this transformational experience whatever it is and it shatters my consciousness not necessarily in a bad way but it could if we don't bring it back together then <laughs> integration is taking all those puzzle pieces and reconnecting them with the hope and the intention that they have perhaps had their shapes changed such that when they are put back together, the image that you see is a more authentic, true, loving, connected, embodied expression of who we are. And that is the value of integration. Otherwise, I think that's what has people have something that was profoundly transformational become profoundly traumatic because they never put the pieces mm. back together. They feel like a fragmented version of themselves, or at least I can speak for myself when I didn't do integrations well and I had an experience, I had to go back to life as quick as I can because you got shit to do and the laundry list of things to do is ever fucking expanding. And <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, it's oh, yeah. back to back, but that's, that's not where the real healing is. That's not where the transformation is. Like, we hear these stories about people who, Ooh, they go have a psychedelic experience, like I changed my life and they go back and they go back. And then all of a sudden they get, they have an either really adverse experience. They don't understand why, or they get a very stern voice from consciousness saying, fucking stop, stop coming and bastardizing the medicine because totally. next time I'm not going to be so gentle. Now I might not come through in those literal words, but there's that felt sense of, you didn't honor the medicine. You didn't honor the experience enough to do the full process, to see the process from point A to point Z, hypothetically, and all the steps in between. Point Z is, the, the I'd imagine, like the, the completion of all of those other steps. And as you so eloquently pointed out, we won't, in my personal opinion, we won't be able to taste fully that experience unless well you, you can eat and chew it but if you don't digest it then it doesn't you don't get the nutrients you don't get the minerals as my friend kayla han said to me you aren't what you eat you are what you digest and that digestion is the integration nice yeah i love that too <laughs> lots of lots of lots of bombs yeah that that's a really good one you know kind of linking this back almost to what we were talking about earlier is time boxing right like you can if you plan a journey then we, we get into this and i i get into this i'm running a few businesses i got teams mm -hmm. it's like losses happening 
Um, and I'm, and I love what I do too. So it's like, it's not even, I'm like, Oh, I got things to do. It's like, Oh, like I can't wait to get back and build the things I love to build. But <clears throat> I don't need to worry about that if I've got it time boxed because I know it's coming. And so mm. it allows me to stay out of that mid beta and high beta brainwave. I don't worry about my to-do list. My to-do list is locked in. I'm doing that Wednesday at 3 p.m. I had my journey on Saturday. I'm going to take Sunday and Monday and half a Tuesday. And I've got it locked in. And so I'm not, I don't need to get back. I don't, I don't get into a state of there's so many things to do because like there is, but they're locked in. It's, it's, it's happening. I am, there's, I don't even think about it. I, I, I don't even look at my next day until like the night before usually. And I just look at it and I go, okay, my first things at this time tomorrow. Perfect. Put my phone down, chill. And that like, because here's the thing, like how do you actually get good at time boxing and time managing is it's trial and error for honestly, probably a year. Lots you start ups. to learn about yourself. You start to lots of fuck ups. That's literally it. It's not, it's trial by error. And, and you start to learn, <laughs> like, okay, like I thought groceries is going to take an hour, but groceries actually took an hour and a half. It's like, Oh, I thought, I thought, uh, Oh, okay. I booked an hour for that thing. It only takes 30 minutes to do it now. And, and you just go through it. But when you get through that, like you have your structure, right? Like when I help people with timed boxing, like I, really just I take them through their own journey through it honestly it's just mm -hmm. a matter of figuring yourself out because once you've got that the brain waves are not so hectic and um bringing it back to what we were saying you can actually integrate right, right. like um when I when I first started our, our our courage program in human potential academy I was originally calling it the divine masculine arena I was helping women essentially with uh we can say structure and, um, you know, the, the, the divine feminine energy is chaotic. It's chaos. It, and it is, it is there first. And when we put the divine masculine structure over that chaos, the chaos gets alchemized into creation, right? And we can see this in life too, with, um, like, for example, like, um, you know, we're always talking about how unbelievably magical and powerful, uh, woman pregnancy is like she's turning the seed into a freaking human life that's like like what for men it's like near impossible for us to even try to comprehend mm -hmm. but without the seed nothing happens right without that divine masculine seed nothing even happens and so the time boxing and time management allows you to enter flow state allows you to enter alpha brainwave allows you to be what all these ancient teachers and modern day teachers are calling in the present moment alpha brainwave flow state being in the present moment what's actually the difference and i guess the answer is it would be depends on what you're doing but like because if you're doing things you're going to be in a beta brainwave state when we're when we're teaching and learning we're in a low beta so it's like kind of near alpha kind of near mid beta right it feels good in our bodies mm -hmm. um but when you have that structure you can properly integrate because you're mm -hmm. allowed to be in the present moment because you're not worried about the future because you've already locked in the things you got to do in the future and so you you can go those t uh, 24 48 hours whatever week two weeks uh not stressing because you have you know it's going to get done so it's yeah unbelievably unbelievably important 
Right. And what I'm hearing and what you're saying is, in my own words, is the mm-hmm. better we plan, the better we prepare, the better we prepare, the easier for it is to us to drop into our experience where we consistently point a finger at brainwaves. Because if I'm in high beta, anxious, stressed, overwhelmed, I'm uh, Joe Dispenza, I'm going to reference you know his stuff more. It's like uh, you become more matter and less energy. We go from being a quantum possibility to I am I am this stress ball of feelings and emotions, and and I'm overwhelmed with the thoughts screaming at one another in my head. But it sounds like what you're saying is is if I if I'm planning well and I and I set that side of time. I can drop in knowing that everything that needs to be handled is being handled. For example, you and I are having a conversation. I'm not worried about going and doing other coaching calls or if I need to walk the dog or take the food off the stove. I have made a point to make sure that those are not issues. Otherwise, my consciousness or my energy would be split. As they say, where attention goes, energy flows. If my attention is in multiple places, then my energy thusly is being split as such. And flow, is, which is where we're kind of pulling your finger, flow, presence. I love how you, you group those together. That is exponentially quantified, at least in what I'm hearing you say, when we are more intentional about blocking that time about setting aside that time, which holistically points a finger at this thing called what is the most effective process that we can take on from here's my commitment. Here's my intention, 100, 200 days of say discipline all the way to the planning, the preparation, the execution, and then the actual integration of it. It's this holistic way that we can transform our lives that is simple, not necessarily easy, but is simple in, in theory. And you know, we're the and it's like actually going and doing that thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. 100% man. And there's, there's no coincidence why all the, like the top, top, top performers are time boxing, right? It's because they're not in a high beta brainwave state They're And they're doing, they're doing these time boxing things. And it's interesting because it's not just uh, the conscious mind. It's, it's even more so the subconscious mind. Cause it's like, okay, we're in the middle of a podcast and in, in comes this voice and it says, did you leave something on the stove? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, where did that voice come from? Where did that come from? Where did that thing come flying into your head that was like, what about that potential danger, right? Where did that come from? You weren't mm-hmm. consciously thinking about it, but here the thought appeared. So mm-hmm. it's actually more like that 95%. We're taking our conscious mind, we're making a little structure for it. We're actually housing the 95% in a safe spot where it doesn't, what about that thing? Because it, it knows. It knows Danger. that it's going to get taken care of. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's consciously housing that 95% so that it doesn't come sneaking in when you're trying to integrate or just be in a flow state in general. Mm. I can think of examples in my life now where I would say I am in the active process of building mastery on time blocking. I have no claim mastery around it. In fact, I would go so far as to say that I'm somebody who stretches myself too thin. I put a lot of things on my plate and I feel like I time block well, but sometimes I have too many things and I don't plan it well enough that it creates an anxiety and creates a stress. That's something I'm at work on. Mm-hmm. However, if, if I'm day one, I'm hearing this conversation and I want to figure out whether I'm day one or I'm, I'm day 100, where 
do I begin or how do I start to improve my time blocking such that I can have that peace, I can have that presence, playfulness, all the other P words that I love, but also performance. I want to be able to perform and I want to enjoy my 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 experience of doing so. How do I how do I start that? Cool. Cool. It's funny because you said playful and performance. And so I'll play with the alliteration and um, it's priorities. And so we, we have this tool um, that we use in Human Potential Academy in the Courage program. Um, it's called an Eisenhower Matrix. Um, mm-hmm. I really encourage you to do this. The Eisenhower, have you heard of the Eisenhower Matrix before? Urgent, important, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's cool. Not, not a whole bunch of people have heard of it. It's, it's an incredibly useful tool. Um, how it works, um, for, for those of you who, who don't know, is, is it's, it's like essentially like a grid where we have like urgent and we have important, right? And then it's broken into four blocks. And these four blocks are do now, decide for later, delegate to others, or delete. Guess which one of those four is the most important box? The delete it's for the delete. sure. 100%. And see, so the Eisenhower matrix for someone like you or someone like me who's doing a ton of stuff is absolutely critical. Um, mm. Not everyone needs to use these. Um, I would say everyone needs to use these, but not all the time. Um, like I have times where sometimes I'm doing it every single week. Um, but if you use this Eisenhower matrix, essentially what I do, I write out my to-do list and it's pages long, right? Pages, everything I got to do. Laundry's on there. I write them all down, right? Every single thing on my to-do list. And if it's overwhelming, Eisenhower matrix. How many can? How many are not important and not urgent? Delete. And and it's really cool because it's like, if they become urgent or important, they will reappear. One of the things that happens, people really resistance to putting put to put things in that delete box. And uh, what the delete box means is it's not urgent and not important, but it was on your mm-hmm. to do list, and so we delete it. Mm-hmm. It sounds so um, obvious, but you know we'll be surprised how many things are not urgent or important that we think we need to do. Um, take it through the Eisenhower matrix and then um, prioritize it, right? And you prioritize it. And you'll, you'll have things on your to-do list, you know, like let's say cook, clean, brush teeth, sleep, right? Some things you got to do, put them into your time schedule. Okay, cool. So I got my, my surviving things done. Great. Now, what do I want to do? Well, I want to work. I want to build my business. I want to play. Perfect. Block it in. Take it and block it in. And it's, it's like it really is that simple. It's, it's not that easy, but it, it really is that simple. And it's worked for me and every single person that I've, that I've worked with. Hmm. Again, coming back to this idea of being intentional, being intentional with our time, being intentional with our energy. Simple, not necessarily easy. And something that I'm finding is uh, being able to harmonize the, the planning which comes as a function of prioritization, which you pointed out very well, is planning not only, if you will, the doing time, but it's also planning the non-doing time or the being time and making oh, sure 100%. that we bring in both. I'm somebody who can overplan the doing and forget the being. And uh, hey, dude, by the way, you do your doing better when you do your being really well. When you do the shit just because it nourishes you and not because there's a specific outcome that you want to have. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and it's, um, like, honestly, so for me, I take Sundays off. Can't find me on Sunday, Monday through Saturday. Like 
I am on the grid and I'm really on the grid right now, but Sundays you can't even find me. And mm. a lot of people end up missing the mark on this when they do time boxing, they only um, time block their uh, gym and building business in there. And one of my favorite sayings is that idle hands are the devil's play tools. And so if you don't time block something useful into that time, nine times out of t- 99, 999 times out of a thousand times, you're going to do something stupid. You're going <laughs> to just scroll on Instagram the whole time. You're going to just do nothing. And that, and that's so getting seriously, uh, bringing serious intention to rest and play and build, um, designing your life, like the, the, the act of designing out your life. You know, I, I always say that at the seed of spirituality and psychology and all religions, all of them is awareness. It's like we were talking about it. It's, it's, it's like, essentially, if you look at all religions, what are they trying to do? They're trying to help you with your cognitive dissonance and your backwards rationalization and get you into an alpha brainwave state. That's what they're trying to do, right? right. Whatever, whatever that looks like in whatever fashion, that's what they're really trying to do. If it's, they're all trying to be self-developed, they, are all, they all are. There's nuggets in every single one about self-development, and it all comes from awareness. Like that is like the absolute key. And when you have that awareness about what's coming up, when you have that, when you when you're on Thursday and you're taxed and you know what Sunday is going to look like with your rest day, you do have that that light at the end of the tunnel. When you're resting on Sunday, because that's the thing, right? If you're in mid mid beta or high beta brainwave, you're not you're not even resting. Like I, I'm sure I've heard this from Joe Dispenza, but if you're if you meditate and you're in high beta brainwave, you're pretty much just like frying your brain. It's like right. way worse than than not doing it, and so. Right. When it's, when it's the Sunday and you're trying to rest, but you're thinking about your calls on Monday and, oh, did I remember to book that thing in and da 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 da, da you're, you're not resting. You might as well just be working. And so it, it's that thing where it's like the more intention that you have and the more awareness that you bring to all of this and the more that you design your life fully, rest, play, build, it's going to work. It's actually going to work. You know, it's mm-hmm. not going to be better. It's actually going to work. Right. Right. Something I want to I want to sprinkle in here. So I'm somebody who personally really identifies with the harmonization of masculine and feminine energies. I don't particularly lean hyper masculine. Well, actually, I take that back. I do tend to lean towards the masculine in terms of my way of doing. So if if the being is the feminine and the doing is the masculine, I lean that direction. But one yeah. of the things that I find is that my highest expression is when I'm more harmonized at the center. And different people, you know, different strokes for different folks. They like to say. Uh, sometimes, and I want to, I want to play a little bit of an advocate here on like the feminine or being aspect, which is sometimes our conscious mind, our intentional goal seeking self sets plans that are well-intentioned and doesn't consider or have the ability to calculate the energetic, so we talk about your pillars, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, emotional taxing that the actions take. So here I am, I plan Monday through Saturday's worth of work, but I'm on Thursday or Friday and let's just say Thursday. And I'm really, I'm like, I've really given it. I'm fucking taxed. 
the the masculine says, well, fucking show up tomorrow, bro. You said you're going to do a cold shower. But the feminine might say, then this is where I, and I kind of question the backwards rationalization. Like, how do we know this? Maybe it's not always a clear choice. Like maybe that's like a discernment thing with time we figure out, but how do you see what I'm I'm saying here? So So like, how how do I, how do we harmonize that? Because I'm definitely one of those people who has worked myself into anxiety. I've worked myself into overthinking. I've worked, I'd like, you got to do this, bro. You committed to it. Come on, fuck. It's like that gym bro. Who's like trying to encourage you to hit another rep when your pecs already tearing. You're like, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to chill. Try to breathe, try to breath. I'm bleeding out different parts of my body. I didn't know I could bleed. When where do we draw that line? Where we say, okay, you know what? I I didn't plan a rest day here, but my my soma and my psyche, one or the other or both, is telling yeah. me I need to though. What about that? Yeah, yeah, really dude, super great question. And um it, it's a conundrum, I'll tell you that, right? Like it's a conundrum. We don't have a perfect answer for that, but Here's what I think. So I think that um, the key is, again, to stop lying to yourself. And I I say this all the time. Everyone who knows me, I'm saying this all the time. Take data, right? Take the data and then look at the data and don't be ignorant to the data. Like the reason that I'm a spiritual being is because of data that I took. And it wasn't just from being. It wasn't faith. Like I observed things so many times where they just aren't coincidences. They're evidence now. And so that would be my response to you. So how, how do, how do I go about doing it? How do I arrive at it? It's like, if it's, if you made a promise to yourself to work Monday to Friday and you're tired on Thursday, you honor that promise, but then you adjust, make adjustments. Don't be ignorant to the data. And maybe you had a bad week. So you try the same thing next week and it's a grind again. It's like, okay, make some adjustments, right? Honor the feminine, but follow through on your promises, Right. Like, and, and that's, that's the, that's, that's, that's really it. You know, it's, and, and honestly, dude, 20 minute power naps. Like if you're feeling really taxed, 20 minute naps are like an actual godsend and, and it's time, you know, the real answer is discipline, patience, and grace. So follow through on the disciplines that you have, like follow through on them. Don't, don't get to cognitive dissonance because that, that'll lead to a real shame spiral. Oh, I'm not man enough. I did it. Da, 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 da. Um, but be patient, right? Like allow for time. You don't know. You're taking shots in the dark. And if you do know, then fix the model, <laughs> right? It's like either you don't know and you're taking data or you do know and you can make an immediate adjustment to what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also that interesting kind of battle that we go with where we're like, um, like, okay, you want to reach new levels of your human potential. Well, how do you find new, how do you find new levels? You break the old ones. It's like, and then how do you know where that level is? It's like, you reach your limit. You, you reach over your limit and you go, okay, there's, there's my new, there's my new level. So it's, it's really that like consistent adjustment, fine tuning. And I would say once someone has been doing this for like a year or two years, then you can be a little bit more, I would say, flexible and gentle with yourself. But in that beginning, you really want to find that sweet spot where you are pushing, like you should be taxed Friday evening. If, you, if you're an entrepreneur or anybody and you're trying to build or work in integrity, Friday evening, you should be tired. You just, you know, from the masculine standpoint, you just successfully got back from war. So you did it. You survived it. You conquered. 
now kick your feet up and now actually relax. Um, you know, but if you're not tired by the end of Friday, it's like you didn't work hard enough. And then now you're going to go in that I didn't work hard enough because your subconscious doesn't lie to itself. So that would be my, my somewhat long-winded answer to, to your question there is it's, 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 you know, honor the promise, but don't ignore the data and honor the rest, honor the feminine energy while you're building. Hmm. So it, it gives, if I'm hearing you right, when this, this goes to the, you know, cognitive dissonance and going back on our word and our promises is if we said, we're going to do it, do it. And if it doesn't work, then we look at the data enough times you say, okay, maybe we need to adjust how much we're committing to because it's, it's creating more. So for me, this is just a personal prerogative of mine. This is like a big intention for me heading into this year. I'm unwilling to sacrifice my health for results, whether it's business results, whether it's some other results, it's no longer will my well-being come at the expense of, well, let's just, you know, make X number of dollars or let's get X number of more people that we've served. And it's like, I made that okay in the name of growth and development and everything else. However, I'm not agreeing with that model anymore because I think that there is, um, there is, a there's a thing out here about hustle culture, go hustle, go hustle, go hustle. And in it's probably original intent. It was well-intentioned. Like, yeah, like work hard for the things you care about, work hard on mm -hmm. your purpose, work hard to, you know, to be a good husband or wife or son, daughter, leader, business creator, whatever it is. And don't forget that you're a human being and not a human doing. We aren't logical. We're biological. Like we are the, the totality of all of these things. And I think if what I'm hearing you're saying is we're not saying to, to fuck yourself over and, and to work yourself into oblivion. It's more so say what you do, do what you say. And if what you, if you do what you say and it's creating anxiety, stress too much, it's like pushing you too far past that edge where it's, it's beyond the stretch into the anxiety. Okay. Let's take a couple steps back and let's, line ourselves and keep going. Is that in that direction? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Like that's, that nails it on the head. And, and yeah, it's just, it just really is that like fine balance and awareness. It just comes back to the awareness and it comes back mm -hmm. to, there's this other, so there's this other aspect too, because I, I'm, I agree with this, like, toxic hustle culture right but i also do believe that like our generation and the next generation is like i i don't know they're not like pulling their weight i guess like like and maybe maybe it's just a new like age that we're entering into which i'm like a huge fan of is this like absolutely working smarter but i i don't want to just go out there straight up and say like don't Okay, so self-discipline is the highest form of self-love. Why is that? It's because you're essentially sacrificing your happiness now because you love your so much, yourself so much in the future. You're willing to sacrifice the current for your future self. And so what I'm getting at in this breath is that, so I just put out like the output of energy that I just put out the past six to nine months was 
absurd. Like it was absurd. It was, it was 10 to 16 hour days, uh, five to six days a week. Maybe I missed a couple weeks in there. I went to that Mexico for that one week. Um, but even then we were doing business stuff there. It was full on. And because I did that now, like, like my dreams are about to come true and same for a whole bunch of people that I love that are involved in what we're doing here. And I don't regret it at all. Um, that being said, I don't know if anyone, everyone can do that. So what I'm getting at here is there's this like um, on the other side of the coin from hustle, this hustle culture is the short term hit for the long term gain. It's the maybe like I'm going to go hard for these two weeks mm -hmm. harder than I normally would. And maybe I'm going to be sore and battered and bruised after those two weeks. But because I did that, now my future is beautiful. And so, you know, again, it's that neutral place, I think, like that. And that's where I like to always come back to as well, the and, right? And so it's like, be very mindful of hustling yourself into the ground, but right. don't be scared to work that extra uh, to to put out that extra energy that is going to potentially set you up um, for the rest of your life, right? Like, don't miss the opportunity because you because you don't want to feel owie, right? <laughs> Find balance. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like any of this. There's going to be any straightforward answer. I think the one thing that no. one of the many things, <laughs> but one thing that's really sticking out here, you said it, and I agree heavily, is awareness. Awareness is the first step in any transformation and there isn't a one size shoe fits all in this. What your hustle looks like might look distinctly different from what my hustle looks like, whether that is you can main 16 hour days, but I try to do 16 hour days and my, and my nervous system is, is taking a heavy toll for whatever reason it's, and there's so many different factors. Again, it's not even black and white there, but different people can operate at Mine different levels, with different durations, different intensities. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's, that's like, that's just what it comes down to, right? Like let's, we can talk about like athletes, right? Like mm -hmm. let's talk about Usain Bolt, right? He is the fastest man. How many gold medals has this guy won? He's the fastest man in recorded history, right? But he taxed his nervous system a few times, I'm willing to bet, to get up to that championship level. And so, you know, it's just, it's, and it's one of those things too, where it's like, cause we're, we're really like leaning into even like a masculine conversation. We're really entrepreneurial minded. We're really talking about our hustle, hustle, go, go build, build. But what if you just want to have a family, right? Mm -hmm. If that's what someone wants to do, if you know, if woman or man, but if a woman wants to just have a family, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually beautiful. That's the only way that we even exist and that life even goes on. And so if that's what the person's priority is, right? Then power to them, right? It doesn't need to be hustle. It can be nothing but nurturing all the time. So it does come, to, it comes down to like personal preference and, you know, again, just listening to that heart space. Cause if you're not doing, uh, Jim Carrey has this amazing, uh, quote, I heard it, I heard it on, I don't know, some passing video I saw, but it was something like depression is just your soul saying that it's not happy with the character that you're playing right now. And you need to change mm -hmm. up your characters. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, but like in the, in the, if we're talking in the realm of like the hustle entrepreneurial, then, then absolutely. It's just awareness, priorities, execution, and prioritizing rest and play because it will mm -hmm. maximize the, the work output like exponentially. Right. And all of this, whether we're 
preparing, planning, prioritizing all the different things for you know business life, et cetera. It, being able to holistically approach our lives from, as you said, rest and recovery to action doing and, and that full cycle sunrise, sunrise, sunfall, right? You know, in the, metaphorically speaking, you know, go do be rest, recover, rejuvenate, and, and being able to do those fully. It's actually something I've heard Stephen Kotler um, out of the flow research collective speaks to is when you're doing do fully, when you're being full, be, yeah. when you're being, be fully, when you're on, be on, when exactly. you're off, be off. Just like you said, otherwise you're, you're off, but your brain's on like, wait, but what about sending that newsletter? What about, and you can't ever do either yeah. one fully. You can't actually be fully present because, uh, we're, we're worried, you know, we're worried about the things that, you know, didn't get done and things of that yeah. nature, which then again, yeah, and here's, I just like to say something, they just say something quickly about that. Um, pardon for interrupting. Um, because I was just thinking, it just it just kind of came through me here about the the hustle culture, and what we're actually talking about here is simple. It's it's not hustling. It's not prioritizing rest and play, and because when you rest and play properly, your your output, the effectiveness of your work is exponential. So if you mm -hmm. work forty hours, if you work, if you, okay, so let's say you work you work sixty hours a week. And then you don't plan in rest and you don't plan in play. So you sleep another, you know, average of probably like 56, 60 hours and the others. Over. So you're working 60 and then you're surviving the other hundred that's in, that's in the pipeline, but you don't plan out your week. So when you, when you're resting on Sunday, what does that mean for so many entrepreneurs? Resting on Sunday means I'm going to message people in the DMS. I'm going to make some content. I'm going to like do some posting. I'm going to, you know, still working. When we come back that next week and I took my Sunday off, I went out into nature with my shoes off, went to the water, just sat, just breathed. I come back, my output that 40, that 60 hours compared, compared to the others is going to be way, way different. And then over time, it will amplify in like the opposite directions. So that mm -hmm. one person who's never actually fully being, fully resting, fully playing, their output is going to become like near pathetic after a year goes on and then that person who was really prioritizing equally prioritizing their play and their rest with their work and they can hustle you can work 12 16 hour days but you have a serious proper proper morning and evening routine to dial yourself in and dial yourself out and then a serious you know day or that's what i like to do of rest your output is going to be unbelievable and over time it will increase it will become more efficient because we get better at things as, as time goes forward and, and frequency increases so yeah that was cool anyways that just that just came through me like with this this hustle culture thing that's actually mm -hmm. what it is it's like hu mm -hmm. hustle your rest right hustle rest as hard as you hustle, hustle work. rest <laughs> i like that hustle your rest as hard as you're hustling your work that's this is how we start to yeah hustle history. culture <laughs> Make it all work and harmonize well. Hustle culture. They forgot to tell you about the part of hustle where you're supposed to hustle the shit out of your rest and your recovery. Make sure you get your naps on exactly. for three minutes. Yeah. I closed three naps today. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. I'm going to put that shit on a t-shirt and sell it. <laughs> I closed three naps today. They're like, what? And like, don't, don't worry. If you don't get it, you don't get it. You're not a part of nap culture inside of hustle culture. That's like the anti-social social club, the anti-hustle anti hustle club. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, this is this is rich. So this is so this is something I want to now pivot off of. So we've we've just talked a, cool. a whole lot about growth development and all that stuff. But another thing that you yeah. have passion around, and I'd like to you know talk at a high level and then get into some more tactical things, is around the the financial pillar of of human potential. And what I'd like to start with here is what do you believe is the current issue that we are facing as it relates to our financial well-being? Like what is what is the the common thread or the main thing that we as we in this culture are facing? Yeah, this might shock you, but it's going to be lack of awareness. Um and knowledge, I would say. So yeah, that, that would be it. That, that would, that would be it. I can expand on that, but it's lack of awareness and a lack of knowledge. So what am I not aware of and what information do I need to have? So just talked about this the other day. I, when I, I'm from a small town in Canada, like 3000 people up in the mountains. I live five miles outside of that town. I'm from the Hills, from the woods, from the mountains. And I didn't even know about commission until I was 20 years old and it blew my mind. I was like, what? Unlimited earning potential? Like, what do you mean? I just thought it was hourly. I don't even know what I thought. And it was door to door sales. And, um, I, which I actually did quite well in over a span of three and a half years, I trained a whole bunch of teams and stuff. And that was really what sparked everything for me. But I remember I, I just, I learned what commission is, right? So I go in the first boardroom meeting. I am like, I don't know nothing. I'm not going to pretend like I know nothing. And they're teaching me these basic sales tricks. Jones effect. What Five reasons why people buy right away. The five impulses. Jones effect. Because somebody else did it. Indifference. Because if you're too desperate, your product isn't selling. Fear of loss. Sense of urgency. And greed. When I go out into the field and my the guy who's training me, He's like, watch this. And he knocks on the door and he says, hey, you know, uh, I won't say his name, but hey, uh, I'm so-and-so. We're here with so with here this. Um, I don't know if you know Carol down the road. And the, the person goes, Carol? Carol's lovely. Right? We literally first door of the day. Right? And I'm not saying that this is by any means in, in, in integrity, but I'm just witnessing this my first day on the job. Oh, my God, Carol? And boom, buys. First door of the day. I'm like, What? And so I'm, I'm now I'm out there in the real world and, and I, you know, I would get a sale, let's say from John. And then I go down the road and I'm like, Hey, do you know John up the road? They're like, yes. Like John just bought. They're like, John bought, here's my credit card. And time went on and I began learning these really surface level sales stuff, like surface level. And I'm 20 and I'm going out and I'm closing 20 year, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, 60 year olds, big houses, no idea. Like no idea. And then I'll go to, and then I'll knock on a house and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, that's Jones effect. And I'll be like, oh shit, this guy is a sales guy. He knows what I'm doing right now. Oh shit. And I, now I do that all the time. Walk around the streets. Like, that's Jones effect. I like your indifference, you know, you know, you know, keep up the good work. But that blew my mind. Like people don't know about these sales tricks at all. And they're, it, it, you're either, it was a big motivating um, thing for me. Um, uh, and it was dual dual motivation for me where there was the selfish aspect where I wanted to train people to go use this and generate sales because that was the nature of the business. But then mm-hmm. there was also the fact that like now you can't use that on me because I see what you're doing, right? It's like if I see – if I see, it, it's like the same thing where it's like, like um, 
Uh, a weak man cannot be a virtuous man because if you're unable to comprehend the evils, they will win every single time. And so it's it's just equipping with these tools. So that's a big one. That, like that was a that was a huge one for me is like having awareness of these sales tools because they're incredibly effective. And it's just negotiation, really. Like a lot of these sales things, you can actually bring into different aspects of your relationships. Um, oh, I did something. Oh, there we go. And um, <laughs> and uh, so that's like a huge one, right? Is is like the give me an example of to... each of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jones effect is, yeah, you know, Carol, she bought it. Monkey see monkey do. Uh, no one wants to be the first person to jump off the, the cliff into the lake. But as soon as one person does, they're like lemmings off they go. Um, and Jones effect is really like probably the most powerful because it's kind of like two where it's like, mm, Oh, if that other, it, like it, at least if I go down, those other people are coming with me. You know, you're not by yourself. So Jones effects a big one. Um, indifference is again, it's, it's, uh, and this is probably the hardest one to master, but maybe just as powerful as uh, Jones effect where indifference is, I don't really care if you buy this or not because your neighbor is going to buy anyways. Hmm. Right. And so that, that's kind of the energy. And it's obviously a lot easier to do if you're actually garnering a lot of success but it's where if you come off like really, really desperate, then people are like, why are you so desperate to sell this if your product's so good? It doesn't really add up. And so it's an interesting one because you obviously want to like show people that you care about them buying the product, but you don't want to go, you don't want to be de de desperate. So I have some fantastic stories of indifference. Like I went up to this one, I was, this, is a, this is another door to door, door to door, door to door one. I was walking up to this, uh, to this house and the guy's like, he opens his door Blah, blah 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 and i was like no worries guys like you don't buy anyways and he was like come back here and i ended up pitching him and he ended up buying and i was like yep no worries guys like you don't pitch anyways because usually sale guys will be you know they'll usually like try to get their pitch out there anyways but i was like fine like you're not gonna buy anyways <laughs> and then he bought which was really cool um sense of urgency and fear of loss <laughs> yeah it's a really cool one. it's a, it's almost like reverse psychology i suppose mm -hmm. um don't tell me what I do with fear of once. loss. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fear of loss and sense of urgency are quite intertwined. Um, fear of loss would be like um, try to give you a different example. Like so fear of loss and sense of urgency. You know, we've only got five left. Right now, all of a sudden, oh my god. Um, uh, maybe you could like wrap greed and sense of urgency. The sale's only going to last today, right? 40% off today, today only, right? Now you've got some, now you've got some of that in there. Um, and then greed. greed. Greed is you can save money or make money by buying this. Okay. So would you say then that these are lower vibrational sales tactics? Yeah, interesting, interesting thing, because I had this conversation actually the other day with my team, and I have this whole workshop called Compassionate Closing. And because the, the reality is, is like, no, 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 I, I don't. I think that they're the reason why people buy things, which is a totally different thing. I think it's about the product and how these tools are used as always, right? It's like, I always like to equate it to the samurai where all the samurai's weapons are farm tools, right? And so tools are tools and you can use them to build or you can use them to destroy. And um, 
when you start getting into the conversation about like lower vibrational um, uh, sales tactics, I think when you're like lying is a low vibrational sales tactic. But um, if I genuinely have five pieces left and I go and tell people I have five pieces left, that's honest. And it's honest and I want to sell them, right? And be, if someone else bought it, like who that's, this person knows, like why wouldn't I, why wouldn't you say that, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And then I actually think indifference is probably the most in integrity um, because you're, actually they all are, honestly, like, and when I, because I'm saying these words, greed, fear of loss, indifference, but greed is fantastic. If I'm giving someone a product and they can make money, save money on it, that's beautiful. That's like a, that's a fantastic thing. And, and it would be almost lying to not tell them that the product or service can provide that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, no, I, I don't think, uh, yeah, it, it, the answer is yes and no, like most of this conversation where it depends sure. on the product for sure. Cause if you're using these techniques and the product is bad, then there's no integrity there cause the product's bad anyways. Um, but if, uh, uh, and, and if you, if you're lying about it, like if, if, if you're like, like, for example, that example I gave you where he, my, when I was going on door to door and he hadn't spoken to someone named Carol, that was a lie. And he knocked on the door and he said, do you know, Carol, Carol? Yeah, I know Carol. I'll never forget it. Uh, that was low vibrational for sure. But when I go out and I sell somebody a product and then I talk to their friend and I go, oh my God, your friend just bought one of these. And they go, my friend just bought one of these. There's no, I don't see that as being low vibrational. No. And I'm open for, for, for a challenge if you, if that doesn't sit with you for sure. No, um, this is a, I wouldn't say that I have personal mastery around the sales conversation. However, there's this larger thing called every single human being on the planet is selling. If I go to my you know partner and say, Hey, do you want to go on a date? That's a sale. If I want to go and yeah, sell a product exactly. or service, that's a sale. Um, although I'm probably not going to go to old girl and say, well, I mean, I went on a date with your other friend over there and she said it was dope. That's probably not a good idea. I'm not sure I would leave with that, but it sounds like what you're saying. You can tell me if I'm wrong. It sounds like what you're saying is that the tactic in and of itself objectively isn't negatively charged. It's more so the charge of the intention that we're coming with. And 100%. if I'm coming to your, you know, homeboy who you're working with that was sleazy he he pulled a sly one on that first person and he lied we i mean in my personal opinion I said well you lie that's definitely not like putting good into the space and however same same conversation however he did speak to someone before and use whatever tactic then he was being honest okay well then maybe that's not you know that's that's not sleazy objectively like he is telling the truth and happened to be and this is where i think it can get a little tricky for people especially um, maybe the people who uh, lean towards being on the more gentler side is that call it this or not, it is psychological manipulation to a certain degree. We're, we're using our understanding of cognitive processes that exist within a human's mind and saying, well, I understand how this works. I will use this for a gain. And hopefully your intention is good such that it ends up actually supporting them and bringing value to their life. If not, that's the dark side, it sounds like, of using something that is called, whether you like it or not, manipulating someone's psychology or causing an impact in someone's psychology, whatever yeah. term we want to use. It is, it is doing something, and uh, it sounds like it comes down to intention. Is that correct? 
absolutely. And uh, the conversation is such a slippery one, and I'll, I'll show you why. Um, and I, but before I do that, uh, when I say like sell me this pen, right? That's not what sales is. When I'm saying sales this whole time, like again, I first started this and I was like, oh my god. And then how I was actually able to make record-breaking sales teams was by helping people with effective communication. That was mm -hmm. actually it. So they would go and they would make good relationships and then they would be really good salespeople because they'd be happy, healthy, hungry. They can talk to themselves. They can talk to others openly and honestly. And like right. you just touched on the sales aspect where we are always selling, that's what it, that's what sales is for me. It's and, and you always are. And, and where the psychological manipulation part is uh, we can never escape this reality. And here's the example. Um, when you were saying that to me, I, I like kind of cracked a smile, right? And then you cracked a smile because I was agreeing with you. Well, what actually that was, like what actually that was, when you say a joke and I go, ha, 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 I'm actually positively reinforcing that behavior in you so that you do it again. If you're frowning at somebody, you are psychologically manipulating them. If you're clapping when somebody does a good job, you're psychologically manipulating them. We are constantly, all the time, 100% of the time, psychologically manipulating those around us to create this environment that we design. So the, the reality is we cannot escape it, period. And so it all comes down to, um, again, awareness. Like, if someone is unaware of these tools and then they're going out into the world and, and they're just kind of like doing them, then it would come always down to the intention. But when you have the awareness of the tools, you can actually bring forth your intention from them instead of just kind of like shooting, shooting fish in a barrel. And mm -hmm. we arrived at this conversation because you originally – actually, did you want to say something about that? Uh, I, there's one thing I would highlight and what you said that's really resonating. Well, actually this is something that you didn't directly say, but I'm, I'm almost like hearing it coming, what you were saying, which is yeah. those who can be psychologically manipulated can be psychologically manipulated, but those who won't be like yourself, when it comes to these tools, the gap is met through education. It sounds like if I, if I know then the tool's effectiveness is decreased because I know what you're doing. And I have a choice yeah. now. I have a conscious sentient choice. You're not manipulating my subconscious or like the, the primal urges that you know play in our default mode network or however we're relating to it. I know. So now I have a choice. Does that seem accurate? Yes. Y yes. Um, yes and kind of no because we are always – like when, I, when I'm smiling at you right now because I like what you just said and I am – positively reinforcing you to continue acting in that way and you want to do it because you like when i smile at you and so it's like what i'm saying is that okay when i first started uh coaching my my audience my clients were uh specifically women in like the let's say healing space coaching space so coach coaches slash healers and surprise they couldn't get sales why because they could barely say they could barely say the word sales, right? And who would have thought you you can't you think sales are evil and you're not selling? Surprise! And so um, I've I've spent like the entirety of my coaching career essentially like helping restructure the framework around how sales are evil. 
it's like saying tools are evil again, right? It's like they sure can be. A car is really useful until it's driving on a bridge and hitting a whole bunch of people. It's like now that's an evil instrument. And so um, just this whole conversation around like sales being evil is that it's it's not. It's just effective mm -hmm. communication. And it's literally the only way for us to convince other people of our product or ideas that are probably going to help them. And so I've spent an immense amount of time helping people around what I call compassionate closing. And so um, that, that just like, that would be almost something like to bring forward, right? And, and one of the reasons why I think it is so evil, or perceived as so evil, is because it's this hidden knowledge. <laughs> it's this hidden group of unfair mm -hmm. tricks that these malicious folks know how to use to finesse me out of my money. It's like, well, if we just taught everybody about it, then everybody would know about it and then it wouldn't be so evil because we would at least, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like hidden in secret. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess one other thing too, is probably like 99.99% of people in the sales industry are like, I feel like sales, salespeople are like lawyers and politicians you know, and, and like bankers, it's like not all of the lawyers and the politicians and the bankers are like, you know, skeezy, but, you know, probably most of them, right? probably almost all of them, but mm -hmm. we, we don't need to be those people. And right. so, um, yeah, so that, that, um, you know, with the regards to the financial pillar, the, the sales, sales slash convincing people of your idea in a desirable manner that is well received by the person you're talking to um, was like way up there on, on the financial pillar. Yeah. And then I would say um, taxes, I think pretty obviously like we need to friggin' teach people how to do taxes. Why, 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 why are we still not doing that? How is that still not a thing that's going on? I don't understand at all. It's like it, it actually blows my mind that it's that we're not teaching every single person how to do something that every single person needs to do. It just it's beside me. So like, yeah, sales, sales tactics, taxes, um, probably like effective risk management and like with with like a leaning on like, so, you know, I can't remember who said this. I wish I remember. But it was like your 20s are to. Like, go make mistakes. <laughs> go find out everything you don't want to do in your 20s, right? Go experience and go be like, nope, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. That Go figure it out. Get messy. Experience life. That's fine. 30s is where you found those things and you build those things. Um, 40 is when you use those things. And this is general, right? It could be five years for some people. But this is the mind state that you want to be in when you're, when you're you know, younger and upcoming through the generations. And then 50, you can either sit on your castle, sit on your throne, um, enjoy the spoils of war. You know, you probably got some rugrats running around, a little less time in the hustle game, a little more time in the family game. And that's obviously like a real like general kind of 10, 10, 10. But that whole mind state around like when you start, uh, be like wickedly courageous. Uh, don't die. Um, don't go too deep into debt. <laughs> into debt and But really go experience everything those would be probably like the three the three main things that i would um uh <laughs> encourage uh when, when it comes to like financial pillar okay so understanding sales understanding taxes and having a like an intimate relationship with risk management being able to harmonize especially if we're in our you know 20s earlier on like go and try some shit 
and don't do it at the expense mm. of your financial future, right? Not accruing too much yeah. debt that it is advantageously. I'd actually like to add two more things to that. Um, mm -hmm. With them being like, these are all equally important. Um, having systems. And so what I mean by systems is like asset management tools. I say taxes, right? But what I really am saying is like awareness of the money and how it comes in and where it goes and why it goes there. And then yes, how to use the taxation system in, in your favor. Um, and this could actually technically go in with the sales, but it's a different kind of breath, which is collaboration instead of competition. And so it's like, I'm really good at sales. Right. Selena, the COO and CFO of uh, Human Potential Academy, she's phenomenal at systems. Her and I come together. Boom. We can sell and manage whatever we want to. And so the power of, you know, it's like I always make the joke about the Avengers, where if it was like all say it was nothing but Iron Man, you know, it'd be a pretty cheeky video, but it'd be just like nine nine Ironmans. It wouldn't have the same wow factor as when you've got Black Panther and Thor and Hulk. And, you know, you got to have the different players for the different things. And, and I really think that's the, actually, I know that's the age of business that we're moving into. Um, I can get a little woo woo about it here and talk about how we've entered the age of Aquarius and the way that people communicate and develop is going to be much different than the age of Pisces, which is what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. And we can build our structures together. Age of Aquarius is a lot more, I guess you could say feminine in nature with a collaboration um, aspect to it. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that, that would be that th those five things would be for sure the financial pillar. Okay. So sales, tax last money awareness and out all of that. Risk risk management, is that the appropriate term? Yeah, risk taking, I think I'd even prefer to risk, say it. Risk taking. Yeah. Okay. And then what were, what were the other two? Systems, systems, which could be in the money management thing, but it also like, yes. Yeah, so systems is, let's say, time management, money management, energy management, the designing of, like we look at all five pillars, right? It's kind of hard to differentiate them in some of these aspects because designing the time like time is in all of them so designing that time is one of them um and then collaboration like how to negotiate how to recognize strengths and weaknesses of others and um finding essentially like your tribe who is also different from you hmm because then I, I love your iron man analogy if we're all good at the same shit then we have a lot of weaknesses and deficiencies but exactly. if we if we each have things that we're good at, maybe there's some overlap on certain ones, then we can create this, this super, it's like, um, what was that movie? There's a multiple movies that displayed this. I'm just going to go with Pacific Rim. I think, it, well, I, yeah, sort of Pacific Rim, but there's like, there's someone who's the head, there's someone who's the left arm, someone who's the right arm, left leg, right leg. And when you bring all of it together, it's just, da, 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 it's like this, this super being, if you will, that comes together and it creates this one colossal entity that can neither wreak havoc or do incredible greatness. However, you know, your intention matters, people. Uh, <laughs> but it, it makes a difference when, when we can surround ourselves. And uh, you said collaboration. I really like the, I want to highlight the piece on collaboration because I think that that's something that I felt personally, but I'm noticing more collectively is the desire to collaborate, the desire to create relationships, agreements, collaborations that are harmonizing not only the individual but harmonizing the whole and how we can actually go this is like the african proverb if you want to if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and i think that right. it's almost like 
you pointed at Age of Aquarius that if there was a, a maxim for it, that that's it. It's like, okay, we do better collectively when we do it to, when we do it together. And let's, let's figure out how puzzle piece analogy, puzzle pieces come back together to create this better whole. Yep. Yeah. And, and so this is great because now we're starting to tie into things because it's like, okay. So I, I look at the spectrum of like neuroscience, psychology, philosophy, spirituality, just one big spectrum. Right. And while we're entering into this Aquarian age and we're raising the next generations to understand going far together versus fast alone, there's still some snakes in the grass. And how do we, how are we going to be able to recognize them? Well, by having knowledge of the tools that they're using. And so now it comes back to does having knowledge of these things, is it evil? It's like, not if you're using it to recognize what evil looks like, if you don't know what it looks like, it's going to win. You're going to get sold. You're going to get tricked. You're going to get finessed. And now all of a sudden the collaboration has turned into you losing everything you've worked for. And so we're in an interesting transitionary period right now. And so, and so, yeah, like understanding, being able to recognize things. It's interesting in the, the breadth of collaboration too is, you know, in full circle to how we started this is it's like listening to your heart you know, like really tuning into that, to that intuition that comes from the heart space. Um, I've got some, uh, some theories about uh, consciousness and our higher selves coming from our heart because we have no idea where consciousness actually comes from. And, um, you know, you can feel it. You know, if you're, if you're entering into an agreement with someone and it doesn't feel good in your heart, don't, right? And so educating people on that more, um, which is obviously something that we're, we're, we're all, at least those of us that are trying to dial in on this are uh, trying to still dial in on. And once we've, once we've done that, we can educate the next generation on not ignoring those, those actual, like, it's not conscious, it's not subconscious pulls that you're getting and just following those, I would say for, for collaboration, especially in the unfortunate reality that we have to have like certain layers of courage uh compassion and also like a protective nature like we can't that's the divine masculine uh part right is it's it's providing that structure of safety so that the imposing world and the traumas that people have you know god bless them but they have them and then it causes them to do despicable acts um we need to be that shield for the for the collaborations to to really grow mm -hmm. It's like walking ourselves out of the, the darkness into the light through awareness, through learning, through taking things to tie this back to the beginning, learning something and either applying it for myself and sharing it with someone else or learning something that maybe I don't need directly, but maybe somebody else does. And that can be the light that walks them out of the darkness and helps them to avoid the evil or quote evil. So we can create collaborations long-term that work for our collective humanity nailed it 100 <laughs> percent. simple not easy right but that's it that that is really simple it. not easy <laughs> <laughs> okay so if we were to take everything that we've talked about we've talked about the you know various pillars spiritual financial you got into like a little bit of like kind of the mental emotional piece we've talked about discipline talked about habits we've talked about not fooling ourselves mm what is one thing 
today, if I'm going to, if I'm listening to this, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to, you know, if I was to hypothetically forget everything else, I was going to take one thing away from this to start implementing in my life, to start making a difference, whether it's in my finances, my mental, emotional well-being, whatever pillars I'm feeling most called to, what is the one thing that you would tell me or tell a, you know, younger aspiring version of yourself to go in to do this, to follow through on this thing? Uh, design, design. So we have five pillars, financial, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual design, design, design your time, design your priorities, like design what your relationship needs to look like. And, you know, don't lie to yourself in that, in that same breath. Right. And, and have patience for yourself while you, when you first set out on designing and you're ambitious in certain areas and you don't follow through on them, don't beat yourself up. Um, it would, it would be design. That would be what I would say for people to focus on designing what their life looks like. So, mm. and, and be crystal clear on, on their priorities. That would be, that would be really, really it. I love that crystal clear priorities, which thusly allows us to, Design a life that lights us the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Any final thoughts before we wrap? Final thoughts, final takeaways. Yeah, I, you know, I want to thank you for uh, for having me on. It was it was great today. You know, I didn't know how it was going to go, but we talked about some of my some of my favorite subjects. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll send you a fun a fun fact follow up of a handful of things we talked about today, and. Um, yeah, I think in, in conclusion, it would be that, uh, you know, we have five pillars. We've all got financial, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. They all affect each other. And um, that holistic ways of being in all five of those pillars is going to be the way that you will be able to walk forward in life comfortably, um, confidently, successfully, and be able to acquire enough abundance to actually share that with your loved ones as well. Hmm. Starts with us, starts with our own home, starts in my own bedroom. That's right. That's right. I love it. Matthew, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your life for going through the process of prioritizing and planning everything you have to do in order to be here and have this conversation. It means a lot. I'm really excited that uh, we get to share this. And if you're listening, you've made it this far. Thank you so much for your time and energy investment. It means the world that we can share this with you and really want to encourage exactly what he said. Live life by design. Don't, don't let a moment pass. And if you are curious about what Matthew is up to, definitely check the links out in the copy beneath this because we want you to get connected to the medicine that he's sharing. Matthew, again, thank you so much, brother. So much fucking love. And, uh, yeah, man. Thank you, brother. Pleasure to create. Pleasure, man. Big love, fam. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode supported and inspired your journey to greater healing and feeling fully alive. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this with someone you love. And in case you forgot, you are dope, you are loved, and you are enough. Thank you for existing. Peace.